Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sport and Limerick Soccer podcast uh, this week. Delighted to be joined once again by Noel and Jason O'Connor, uh, where we'll be discussing uh, a few different things, including Treaty United's last match of the regulation season before the excitement of the playoff commences uh, next week. Noel, we'll start with yourself this evening. Last weekend, obviously, there was a defeat for Treaty away to UCD. It's their second defeat at the Belfield Bowl uh, this season, uh, a 2-1 defeat. Uh what was your overall assessment, I suppose, in all of the game? We did see changes, as we expected, but how, how did you assess the performance overall? Yeah, a bit of shadow boxing, I thought. Um, particularly on Treaty side, I think, um, you know, there didn't seem to be much of an edge to the game, much of a, a, of a desire. Um, and certainly there was a few changes by Treaty, I suppose. It, it looked to me like more or less a full-strength team by UCD, and I thought they played well in the night. Um Liam Kerrigan, you know, he was excellent on the night with his two goals, but played very well as well. And uh, maybe it was a confidence boost uh, that UCD may well have required. Um, it looks likely that it'll be themselves and Treaty playing uh, in that playoff. But uh, they might have felt that, you know, it, it might have given them an edge, a mental edge. But, um, I'm not so sure it, it'll make a whole lot of difference when, when the playoffs come around, particularly with the changes. Um, certainly there'd be three or four players to, to come back into the treaty side. I think they'd they, they play a different way and set up a different way as well. So I think it was just Tommy keeping his cards a bit close to his chest. And, you know, as, as we said, getting a few more guys, you know, with a few minutes under their belt and trying having 15 or 16 players that are fit and raring to go for, for the playoffs the week after next. Yeah, Jason, there probably was a bit of shadow boxing on treaty's part, like uh, Noel mentioned. But I suppose it, it was important for some players, like you know, the likes of Joe Collins, Willie Armshaw, Joel Costrain, and Dean George, who did score as well. It was important for the likes of those players uh, to get minutes. Uh, how do you think those players fared on the night? Yeah, I think that was Tommy's big aim, really, Adrian, was get some minutes into Dean George in particular. I suppose maybe assess Joel Costrain because he came off injured very early the week before. You kind of wonder now what that injury was, if, if he was able to start the game. Um, and I think we know what we'll get from Willie Armshaw. I suppose out of the three, I was most impressed with Dean George. Um, he's he's looked really really good since he's come back into the into the fold from injury. He works hard. He's a very good attitude. Um, as a centre forward, I'm not so sure can he play that lone striker's role. Um, he spends a lot of time outside of the box. For me, that said, took his goal very very well. Um, Put through by Callum McNamara, I was on 49 minutes and an excellent finish. Joel, I thought, did well. Um, good in possession. The one fear I have for him, for him, Adrian, and I flagged this throughout the season, is if he starts on the right or the left, he ends up on the other wing on numerous occasions. He goes on a dribble or he gets a drift with the play. And, and the play ends up lopsided. He ends up like a double winger and, and it leaves treating wide open on transition for a fullback on his side. And it happened again against UCD on, on numerous occasions. Um, but he did okay. Obviously, he didn't assist a goal or score. Um, and that's what you're looking for from people in the wide areas. But as I said, Dean George was the big one for me. I was impressed with UCD. I'd agree with Noel. I thought Kerrigan was excellent. I thought Sean Brennan in the middle... I've said it throughout the season. He's a, he's a standout player in this division. Mm. He really, really is. And they hurt Treaty in possession, Adrian. They looked a lot more solid. UCD with a back four. 
came to Treaty earlier on in the season and, and they played three centre-backs and Treaty exploited that in wide areas. That wasn't evident last week and, and I suppose, look, it's looking like UCD now, but if you were to ask me would I prefer Galway or UCD, I'd prefer to play Galway if I was Treaty and I was looking to win the game over two legs. I really would. Yeah, you've, you've put me right into the next point, Jason, actually, because that was a point I was going to bring up with Noel uh, for, the, for the next question. So, that, that is some an interesting point, Noel. You both mentioned the players that UCD have. They're a very uh, good football inside uh, with the likes of Sean Brennan, uh, Liam Kerrigan, Colin Whelan. We, we could go on as well. Um, and because it's a two-legged affair uh, and due to the playing styles being so opposite between Galway and UCD and obviously Treaty and UCD, I suppose, as well, but being similar with Treaty and Galway, do you think it would be fair to say, Noel, that despite the fact that Galway are second, that maybe Treaty over two legs would have a better crack off Galway? No, I'm not so sure about that. Um, and I think the one thing that we have to say, the massive difference between Galway and UCD overall is the consistency. I mean, UCD have had some great wins and have some great performances. Also had some terrible performances as well. You know, and going going long spells in four or five games, particularly after the break where where they fail to win a game. And, they're you know, they're just so inconsistent and you're not quite sure who's going to turn up. Um, and I suppose it's coming to the time of year as well because if rumours are to be believed, uh, I think the the guy we mentioned a while ago, Liam Kerrigan, is 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 Derry City bound um, next season, and uh, just with that kind of upheaval going on, I don't think they'll they like to play treaty um, if they had the choice, and I think the fact that they did put their full team out and you know, were, I suppose, more anxious to win the game, probably tells a lot about their mindset that they felt that they actually needed to give the players a boost because they're probably thinking the same way as us, that it will be treaty. And I just feel the treaty are, are, are more consistent, they'll be more solid. I think physically, um, UCD find it very difficult against them. Um, I mean, if you think about, even though... They lost the first game up there. I mean, they were 2-0 up and they possibly could have gone 3-0 up before uh, before the comeback from UCD came. So um, I think as regards Galway, you know, they're just so hard to break down um, and, and, and they're so hard to unhinge. And I think it's fair to say that they have a similar style to, to Treaty, but obviously a little bit better at it because of the more experienced players they have and the fact that this is their second year, if you like, um, having a pop at getting out of the first division. And I think, you know, it is it, it I think Galway will be a, a trickier trickier opponent. Yeah, and I suppose due to the fact, Jason, that they would say the champions have been decided, Shelburne, you know, you you have Wexford bottom of the league, you have the playoffs uh, sorted out. The only thing on the final game of the season to be decided is whether Bray or Treaty finish fourth or fifth above each other. Obviously, Treaty go and play Kevin Teeley away. Kevin Teeley have been the bogey side for Treaty, uh, have beaten them twice already this season. So it's it's obviously going to be a tough night uh, for Tommy and his uh, players up there. Do you think that they can end their, their streak against Kevin Teeley and, and become third time lucky and score that fourth place Friday night? I suppose it depends what way Tommy approaches the game. I'm sure he has his, his strongest 11 in mind, Adrian. Um, and you look at the lineup last week, you'd expect Jack Lynch to come back, come back into that team. You'd expect Sean McSweeney to come back into that team. And you'd expect Kieran Hanlon to come back into that team. So I suppose the dilemma for Tommy is, does he play his strongest team or does he 
again, not risk people if they're carrying injuries. Does he blood the young goalkeeper, McCormack, just in case he, he needs to use him in the playoffs? He hasn't seen first-team action. Is that in Tommy's mind? I think Cabin season, as you said, is done. It's over with. There's no pressure on them. Um, can Treaty go there and win? They can. But it'll depend what lineup Tommy has out. So I slightly disagree with Noel. They haven't been great for me, Adrian, for a while now. They're Treaty, they're not scoring goals. The shape doesn't look right. Looks disjointed. And, and can you just flick it on and off like a, a light switch? In my experience, you can't. Um, and especially with Treaty's performances all year, very much that that system, that that way of playing was embedded in them, and, and that's changed. Can they win in Cabinteely? They can, but it'll depend on what way Tommy approaches it. Yeah, the pressure of the playoffs isn't just getting to players and managers, it's getting to us here as well. There's disagreements going on all over the shop this evening, which is great to see. But uh, yeah, I know we have, um, obviously we've spoken all about the, the fact that we don't know whether Tommy will you know, blood uh, the other younger players or substitute players ahead of the game. But when you look at it, Sean McSweeney hasn't played a lot of football in the last few weeks. Uh, Jack Lynch is similar to that as well. And they are normally two really important players for Treaty. Realistically, Tommy will probably want to play them Friday because if you're going in that cold into a first leg of a, a playoff game just four or five days later, like that could spell trouble as well. Yeah, I think... Um, I'm not so sure about Sean McSweeney. I know it was work commitments that ruled Jack Jack uh, Lynch out last week, and I think uh, Red Hanlon was away. I think another guy that we can throw into that mix is probably Stephen Christopher. In, you know, he didn't start either, and he started most mm. of the games, the last eight, eight or ten games. And I suppose if I was in Tommy's shoes and everyone was okay, I'd be inclined to put my strongest team out on Friday. Obviously looking for a boost as well um, in terms of going in with a positive result and, you know, playing playing that team for 65 or 70 minutes maybe and then start to make changes. You know, obviously, with, look, if, 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 if Sean McSweeney is fit to play, I think he, he could do with 60 or 70 minutes on the pitch, maybe take him off then, regardless of how that match is going. But if they do put up their strongest team, you know, you would expect them to be doing quite well in that game. And maybe start making changes, maybe from sixty-five or seventy minutes, and start taking out the players that they feel that you know that they don't want to take any unnecessary risk um, with. Yeah, and one thing we do know, we won't know the, the team for Friday night. But one thing we do know is that no matter what happens Friday night, Treaty will be playing their first leg of the the playoff at home at the Marks Field on the Wednesday, Jason. I suppose it's, it's very hard to know because if you look at maybe the English Championship and English League One and League Two, the playoffs just throw up so many different results and it doesn't seem to matter what way teams play or, you know, do they play at home or away first. Uh, what's your own uh, preference on it? Would you prefer to have the, the home leg first or would the second leg at, at home obviously be the, the, the preferential choice? I don't think it matters, Adrian. Treaty have been very good away from home all season. Um, obviously now there's going to be crowds in and that could change the atmosphere and it could change performances for, for some of the younger players in particular but personally I'm glad they're at home first if that's the way it works out gives the fans an opportunity to come out and support it and make it a great occasion and, and the players feed off that Adrian they have over the last couple of weeks when they've been at home and the crowds have been in I think it's, it'd be a good thing if they're at home first they'll know what they have to do then going away from home and, and they are a very defensive-minded team. So 
I think at home will suit them. But again, look, there's no pressure, Adrian. There really isn't. You know, there's no expectation on Treaty to win the playoffs and, and get promotion for me. So a fantastic occasion to Marcus Field. Starting at nil nil, the first leg would be fantastic. Yeah, definitely. And and normally all when you do look at those type of playoffs in, in the likes of England, it's it's often you see a case of a team that maybe has been there all season would be up in third, then they don't finish off the season very strongly, they get pipped for promotion. Then you have a team that just gets into sixth place by winning seven or eight games in a row. And um, Treaty probably haven't been in great form. Bray probably not in great form either. Galway and UCD have kind of been taken away for the last weeks. I suppose ideally you'd probably prefer Treaty to, to go and get the win Friday and just be going in with uh, some confidence into the game Wednesday night. Yeah, I think it's important. But I think we've got to treat um, Treaty as a kind of a special case in terms of, you know, the fact that it's their first year ever and it's, it's a massive high to be there regardless of how they got there whether they won their last eight games to get there or lost their last six games to stay in it. So I mean, I don't think that's that's a big factor. I think winning are certainly playing very, very well on Friday night is going to be important. But even if they lose on Friday night, will it really matter when, they, when they're in the dressing room, you know, an hour before the kickoff in the playoffs? I, I, I don't think it will. I think what will matter is the fact that they have the ability to put out their strongest team and and they remember all... all the good things they did and stay nice and focused and don't worry about what's going on outside the white lines and just focus about what's going on inside in the pitch. And that'll be tricky enough, as Jason said, uh, particularly at home. You know, you would expect a big crowd in the Marcus Field. There'll be a bit of expectation on them as well. And uh, it might be an advantage to play UCD because you, you couldn't envisage a big crowd there anyway in the second leg, regardless of, of what happens in the first leg. And I think that might suit uh, Treaty as well. Yeah, certainly. It's one thing for sure is where it's a much anticipated and we're delighted that the treaty have the opportunity uh, to play in such a in front of such a big crowd. Uh, from maybe a good news story to a bad news story, Jason, in, in terms of uh, managerial change that's that's upcoming. Probably a surprise to people outside of the Shelburne camp. I don't know what, what it would like for people in Shelburne. What did they know it was coming? But uh, Ian Morris, uh, the announcement that Ian Morris is departing only a few weeks after the club had clinched the, the first division title. Uh, were you surprised by it? Yeah, I'm definitely surprised by it, Adrian. I suppose, look, he was only under contract maybe for a year and that contract run out, but he was given a job to do, deliver the first division title and he's done it. So it is a surprise for me. And, and I suppose, look, we've heard a couple of names banded around. Billy Perth, obviously, in a job at the moment with, with Dundalk. Who knows what way that will go. And, and surprisingly enough, Damien Duff's name has been mentioned in, in some circles as well. Look, maybe Shelburne had an agreement with Ian Morris. We don't know what went, what went on behind closed doors, but they certainly had a fantastic season, Adrian. He couldn't have delivered much more for me. So it is a surprise, yeah. Yeah, Noel, do you think maybe it was... I know he's won two First Division titles now in three years, but do you think there was maybe partly a a hangover from the, the way Shelburne performed in the Premier under Ian Morris last year? And was there a bit of a worry in the board that something similar might happen next year and they wanted to avoid that? They certainly had some doubts about him and it seems that this this was no one in Shelburne maybe three or four weeks ago. Um, he spoke to people in other clubs in the league and told them that, that he wasn't going to be there. And I suppose it does explain, you know, the dip in form also after the league was clinched because it may, it may not have become common knowledge, if you like, within within that club until that had happened. 
But obviously, it was a decision they made. Look, I think it's a very harsh decision. Um, I know they had a big budget. Um, we said it; they had a lot of firepower. At times, I thought that they underperformed to the level that they could have. And I know they've won the league, and that sounds a bit harsh. But I suppose from from the squad they had, and I was thinking about that. You know, I was looking at them from a Premier standard and saying, "Well, this is where they want to be." You know, I mean, this time last year they announced that they were going full time. And, you know, expecting to still be in the Premier, and then they ended up being, you know, being relegated. So some kind of off the wall decisions, if you like, there. Um, it'd be interesting to see who they pick to take over. I know, you know, they're talking about Damien Duff. It's probably because he's, you know, he's at the club at an underage capacity. I'm not so sure that he'd be terribly interested in that job right now. And uh, I've also heard Vinny Park being um, mentioned as well. But uh, you know, the first guy who came into my head actually was. Uh, was Paul Doolan, and I wonder will he will he get a shout now? The fact that he's back in the the managerial regime, if you like, and you know the fact that he's done quite well at um at loan, and they certainly have a big budget as well, Shelburne. Yeah, that would be some prediction if it comes off. No, we'll try and see how that progresses in the in the off season. Anyway, uh, speaking of predictions, we have a, a final night to predict, I suppose, after a grueling uh, prediction season for both yourselves. This will be the twenty seventh uh, session of it uh, this season. Uh, Jason, I suppose now that we're on the Shelburne point, we'll start with them. Uh, they host UCD on the last game of the season. They've already got the celebrations out of the way, I suppose. UCD will be preparing for the playoffs. Feels like a bit of a, a dead rubber, but nonetheless, uh, how do you think it will go? Yeah, it certainly is a dead rubber for, for Shelburne, Adrian, but will UCD approach it and, and want to keep that that momentum that Noel always speaks about? And I think it's, it's very, very important. And it's something Treaty are kind of missing in my eyes, really, at the moment. But, yeah, I think UCD are capable of going there and getting the win. Do you know, I think they play... I agree with Noel, don't get me wrong, they have been inconsistent all year. But when they hit form on their night, Adrian, they've, they've kind of gave Treaty a bit of a lesson and for most of, of both games in, in the Belfield Bowl. Both victories, UCD were good value for them, do you know, and if they turn it on against Shelburne, it could be a great game. You know, and that's kind of my point with Galway. If Galway turn it on, they'll probably beat you 1-0 and that, that's all it's going to be. But if UCD turn it on, they're capable of scoring goals. And that's my fear with Treaty. But to go back to the game, I suppose, this week, as I said, Shelburne have down tools. They're, they have another medal in the bag for a lot of them players. And, and I think UCD will get the, get the result to keep them taking over. Yeah, and you mentioned Paul Doolan earlier, Noel. His side will finish off with a home tie against Cove. Obviously, we know that at Lone now, they've had a couple of weeks to sink in that they won't be in the playoffs, even though the, the cherry was uh, being dangled in front of them for, for a while, that they might still get there. Uh, how do you see this one going at, at Lizzie Woolen? Yeah, certainly a bit harder to predict the uh, upsurge in form with Cove in the last uh, couple of weeks. But I think that if, and again, we don't know this, but if, if, if Paul Doolan is... is Nailed on to stay there, I think that, you know, that he'll be very determined to finish off the season at home with a win and maybe just put down a marker for for next season. I think overall at loan have, you know, a better squad and, and more firepower. And I think if, you know, if, if they are serious about the game and they treat it seriously, I'd expect at loan to win that one. Yeah, and probably the most anticipated game, Jason, despite the fact that, as you said, there isn't much riding on any of them, is Cork against Galway. We have John Caulfield going back to Turner's Cross uh, once again. Um, it'll be interesting to see, I suppose, like UCD, like uh, treating like Bray, what way Galway will approach that game. But how do you see it going? Yeah, I think uh, 
Look, Galway very hard to beat, as we know, Adrian. You know, they'll be dogged. They won't want to lose any game, really. And, and especially for John, I suppose, up against Cork City. He'll want to win that game, most definitely. And, and we speak about inconsistencies from teams. It's, it's Cork, the, the prime example of that all year. Fantastic squad, full-time environment. And on occasion, Adrian have, have really entertained us with some great football, but the results haven't matched it over the season. Galway, like I said, at their best will be teams probably 1-0, 2-0. They'll keep clean sheets and they'll be very well organised. So there won't be a whole pile in it, but I will stick my neck out and go for Galway. Yeah, and finally, Noel, we've got Wexford hosting Bray. Obviously, we know that if Treaty lose and Bray win, that means Treaty will finish the, the season in fifth place. We know that Wexford have made uh, vast improvements and spoke about it at length on, on numerous occasions. Their focus will totally be on next year, where we presume that they will be a different animal compared to what they were for probably half the season uh, this year. Uh, how do you view this game? Yeah, I think Wexford will be up. You know, they will be really up for it. And it's, it's the closest thing to a Dublin derby for them as well. Um, Bray and, you know, we talk about momentum. I think the team with the least momentum is... Um, Bray, you know, and uh, I know myself um, that I, I think Wexford will be really up for this game and I'll, I'll probably see it um, ending up as a draw. Yeah, and I know that we're, we're going to be doing maybe a double session hopefully next week with, with the playoffs in, in tow and at the end of the season maybe a review session, but I'm not going to be looking forward to looking back at the predictions I made at the start of the year where I said that Bray might finish second, which is definitely not turned out well for, for myself, but we'll We'll see how, how the games go at the, the weekend anyway. Jason, I suppose to turn our attention to maybe an unusual fixture uh, this week that, that was picked up on only a, a couple of weeks ago is that Fairview Rangers will be playing in Tallis Stadium against Willowbank FC of Belfast in what we'd call a, a cross-border game like the likes of uh, Linfield versus Shamrock Rovers only in the junior section. Um, I know it's an, an unusual game and I suppose in some ways it might be hard to get players up uh, to, to play this game, but they're playing at Tallis Stadium. Uh, great opportunity in that sense and, and you'd imagine, and it is a good occasion and probably a, a good idea to be fair. Yeah, it shouldn't be difficult to get the players up for the Adrian. You know, it's it's a break from the norm, let's put it that way. There's no Oscar trainer this year as well, so it's a great occasion for the players, I suppose, to they play outside of their league in a fantastic stadium and, and a new competition. So I was speaking to Mark Redden last week, staunch Fairview man at the, the under-19s game against England. And, and he said he was really looking forward to it. And knowing Jason Purcell and Derek White, they certainly want to win the game, Adrian, as well. And they want to win everything they, they go into, really, I suppose. So, yeah, great occasion. Something for the players to look forward to. And I'm sure Fairview will go out and give their best and represent Limerick as always, in a fantastic fashion. Yeah, and unfortunately, Jason, we're kind of pushed for time, so we couldn't go through maybe all the, the premier fixtures and the likes uh, for next year. One fixture next week, but one fixture that will uh, provide some interest. And I know there was some backlash uh, to us a few weeks ago when we mentioned Janesborough and uh, their possible relegation dogfight. Uh, and they will be going to Kilmallock now at the weekend. I know Kilmallock will be on a high over to Harlem, whether that will transfer to the soccer, I'm not so sure, but they host Jamesborough in, in a big game. That is a really big game because Kilmallock will be eyeing that up and saying if they can get three points now, that they really will be dragging uh, Jamesborough right in there if they aren't already there. Yeah, both teams are looking at it as a massive game, Adrian. 
You can see the position Kilmallock are in. You can see the position Jamesborough are in. But Mungrid also need now to be looking at themselves and, and looking over their shoulder because a win for Jamesborough at the weekend will, will bring them out of trouble a little bit for the time being and, and bring Mungrid in. So I suppose, look, people are, are entitled to their opinion, Adrian, and we just give ours, you know, that's all it is every week. But there's no doubt it's a massive game. When that bottom six breaks from the top six, they'll all be big games. They really will. But Jamesborough need a win, most definitely. Kilmallock probably need one even more so. Um, but it leaves the pressure on Jamesborough, most certainly, if, if they can go and get to three points. The one out there early in the season, as we said, in a cup competition, Will Kilmallock have some players back? Will they be stronger? It'll be a very, very interesting tie, Adrian. It really will. Yeah, it certainly will be. On a positive note, probably to finish, Noel, we had some very positive results. There was a positive week, I suppose, if you're going that way, in terms of the attendances at the Markets Field for the Irish uh, women's under-19s games. Unfortunately, they were, despite the entertaining affairs and the fact that they were close against two uh, uh, very good opponents in Switzerland and England. They lost both of those games, but won against Northern Ireland today at the Max Field, which was a, a huge win uh, for the girls. And obviously, just recently, over an hour ago, we saw that the Irish senior team had a huge victory in Finland as well. So a really good day for Irish women's football. Excellent, Sean. Look, they were unlucky last week. Um, you'd have to say against Sweden as well, um, a real powerhouse of a team and um, in fairness to Vera Powell, like she's, you know, she's been, she's been there a while and she's been working away and she says that they're working on a plan that they could have had easier friendlies, but she didn't want them, you know, because they were on a long losing streak. And uh, it looks like she's been vindicated, particularly with the result today, which is a fantastic result. Yeah, certainly. And one thing that can't go unnoticed as well, Noel, is we, we meant to discuss it uh, earlier as well, but the developments may be on the academy front at Limerick uh, schoolboy level, which I know you're involved in heavily uh, yourself. Uh, how has progress been on that in, in terms of recruitment of, of coaches and, and other uh, things? Yeah, well, well, the first thing last we mentioned is the great victory by the Kendi Cup squad, Niall Burns' Kendi Cup squad. Um, a brilliant win on, on Sunday in Maru against the, the county. They won 2-0 to, you know, to top their group, which is great. And it's great for, for, for the seeding as well. So they're the top eight in the country. I think the, the, the draw might be on tonight. The open draw might be on tonight or, or tomorrow. So huge congratulations to Niall, his backroom team and and the squad. And we also have next year's Kendi Cup squad, if you like, up and running. Um, they were involved in the Lima Donovan tournament over the weekend. And we have the under-13s as well up and running. So we're hoping to get moving on the under-12s in, in, in the next couple of weeks. So certainly plenty to be done, but... A massive reaction to in fairness, and there's great numbers and 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 great interest.